been thinking about it. I know everybody's aware of it, but the next six to eight weeks, we know for sure, just because of the whole virus, that it's going to be very choppy waters. It's going to get hard and it's going to get rough. And uh, maybe even after that, let's, let's just talk about that. It's going to be, it's going to probably be shaky a little bit as well. So, you know, uh, it's going to require all of us to be nimble, to be able to uh, be highly adaptive, uh, to have a, you know, a kind of even keel while we're walking through things that can change on a daily, certainly on a weekly basis, and sometimes on a daily basis. We don't know what's going to happen next. It just seems like news is, continues to roll out, and it, it's creating a collective sense of uh, concern. There's no question about it. Even us as a church leadership team and as a staff, we, you know, we, we went back and forth on just what did the Lord want us to do and... <clears throat> How are we to, to respond to this? And, and for me personally, one of the things I'm convinced of is that I want to make this journey together. I, 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 to me, this is a great value. That whatever the waters ahead of us may be, and they could get rough, that we will make this journey together. That as much as possible, and in every creative way we can, we're going to try to stay connected. I mean, it's very important to me, uh, just as a pastor, as the pastor of this church, the pastor of Cornerstone, and all those who are connected to us. Some of you, again, are not even living near us anymore, but you're still connected to us. In whatever we, way we can, we want to do this together. And I mentioned our church really had to wrestle with some things, and we're still wrestling with them, trying to think through, hey, what's the best way we can do it? I mean, uh, we prayed about the tension between consideration and conviction. We, we, we talked about and considered the, the tension between the common good and a commitment to remain a, a lighthouse to the hurting and afraid. We prayed about how you know, we're, we're called to contend for peace, uh, but not to submit to the chaos. And so there's these tension points, and maybe a lot of us have struggled with them. We wanted to neither be, how would you say it, a cavalier or consumed, neither cavalier with good practice nor consumed by fear, which we believe to be antithetical to the way of Jesus, which calls us not to simply see life on a horizontal plane, but always remember that in the end, we are far more than just our outer person. That's not diminishing the significance of the outer person. It's just Jesus consistently reminded us not to only live life on a horizontal plane, to remember that we are at our core spiritual beings. That changes things. If you're a spiritual being on a human journey versus a human being on a spiritual journey, if we are at our core spiritual beings, that is, the real us will live on, as Jesus taught us, then it does begin to challenge us around perspective and what we're really afraid of. And so, you know, there's just a real great need to be humble and to be flexible, to be concerned, to be compassionate. And I was thinking about humble and prayer because, you know what, those two things actually are linked together. 
This is a time for prayer. You know, prayer and humility. The Bible links those two concepts together a lot. Talks about how, think about it. There are times I'll say, with, you know, in humble in humility and in prayer, if my people will humble themselves and pray. The very posture of praying invokes humility, which opens us up to God, right? Praying is a very important thing that we do. It's not just, it's not just, as Jesus said, it's not just a nicety or another way of saying, I care about you or good luck. That actually when we engage in prayer with genuine humility, we are acknowledging that we're not in control. We're acknowledging that God is. We're actually praying and believing that he can do things, that our prayers matter and make a difference. The difference between it being a ritual that only makes us feel good, which there is a therapeutic value in that, and actually believing that our prayers can make a difference. So I always like to say, you know, I, I, I want to send a prayer, but it's not just meant to be a hallmark saying in a card. It, 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 it can be that, but it's designed actually to be far more meaningful. Like if we really embrace in faith the words that we pray, according to Jesus, things can be moved. And, and think, it's so it's, it's real, it's powerful, it's meaningful. With that in mind, you know, before I even go anywhere else, I just wanna pray, I wanna pray over this time. I want all of you who are joining us right now on the live stream, wherever you may be, and later on the replay, you know what, as we, as we take this time to just genuinely engage it with, in, with intentionality, with genuineness of heart, that we actually pray for the things that we're gonna pray for. I wanna, I wanna pr take a moment before we ever share any more about some practical ways to approach this, which I'm gonna talk about. I've got a study that I want us to look at as well. But I just want us to pray. I want us to pray for you know, those who um, are at risk. I wanna be able to pray for those who are in authority. And I wanna pray for those who are afraid. And I just would like us to be able to pray together. We're all of us collectively praying into this moment and so even now, Lord, as we just take this time at the very beginning, we want to believe that you are able to make a difference and that our prayers matter. And we're thinking about particularly those right now who maybe are most affected, the most vulnerable, that we're becoming increasingly aware of. We're praying for our elderly and we're praying for those who have uh, their, you know, their immune system compromised or they're more vulnerable to this, this disease and virus. And we just ask for their protection and health and life. And we know not all are going to be able to evade the peril of what this is, but we would ask for healing and life and protection in whatever circle that we are involved in. And we just pray this for our world as, as well. We pray for those who are health workers and people who are putting themselves a little bit at risk in the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses and the attendants and all those who have genuinely given themselves to be a blessing for the healing of others. We, we ask for their covering. We, we pray as we are instructed to do in the scriptures and reminded that we not only can do but should do. We pray for those who are our leaders, who are in authority, that, that those who have been entrusted temporarily with the, the power and responsibility to guide, that they would, from the top 
all the way down to the other levels of our culture and society. We pray for our president. We pray for our governors. We pray for our mayors. We pray for our Congress. We ask you to be with the business leaders who are working together and all those who guide nonprofits and service and church leaders. We just ask for you to just help everyone who's in responsibility for others to just be able to have a collective wisdom and a provision that you would send, that you would allow us to move forward in blessing. And, and Lord, I also, we together want to lift up those, those of us who are paralyzed in fear or very afraid or perhaps more anxious than ever. We realize that there is a collective kind of fear that is settling in over the culture and really over the world. And it's, it's something, Lord, that we want to be aware of. Maybe we, we were already carrying things in our life. that We already had areas in our life that were hard. We were already having areas where we were, we were have, feeling a little bit overwhelmed in. And maybe they were health issues. Maybe right now some of us are struggling in that area. Or maybe we had other issues, things at our work or in our, some critical issues in our relationships that were already weighing and on us. And now on top of all of that, we get this thing happening, Lord, and it just can feel so overwhelming. And what we ask for is a flow of peace and life into the places where we're most terrorized or afraid. And we ask for the life and the love of Christ to come, the light of Jesus to come. We pray in faith, bringing our prayers into agreement with the prayers of so many. And we ask that you would hear that, Lord, and bring intervention and life and healing and even, yes, even goodness through this very difficult and bad time. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen, God. Amen, God. So again, uh, I'm thinking about fear and anxiety, and I, I really want to just sit with that just a tad more here. Because I feel like the scriptures remind us to be anxious for nothing. And that's not that easy to do, <laughs> you know. Um, we're taught, you know, not to have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. And the mind is so powerful. That's another reason why I think it, we would do well to be calm in our spirit. Or, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But if we allow fear to just grip us in an unhealthy way and we start letting our mind get carried away by what ifs, like what happens if this happens or what happens if I get this or what happens if this, we start walking down that road. You know what? That kind of fear is very powerful and potent. And one thing I thought about as well, and it's, it's, it's being talked about, how we think will affect our body. Like it, it's not only the way of the Lord to challenge fear and not let it get out of control. It's also the wise thing in terms of just our own well-being and the well-being of those around us. Fear and stress and anxiety, when it is running rampant, it will tear the body down because so much of our mind is affected by it. It's no coincidence that the Lord said, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. One of the things that we know of also is that a lot of times it's not the fear, the problem itself, that's not really is the issue. The vast majority of the time, the real issue is how we react to the problem. The problem may be real, but sometimes the larger issue is how we react to the problem. What are we doing about it? How are we being in it? This is critical. And so what I want to do is before we even get into the, little, the passage that I want to explore, and I want to get into that teaching 
and what happened with Jesus and this man who was oppressed and, and really in pain. I want to also just remind us of a few things that we should be aware of heading into these coming weeks. How we can, and this is, this is not comprehensive, these are thoughts for us to consider. Again, my, part of my task and responsibility and joy and privilege is to be able to help, I hope, be a shepherd during this time to help guide us through and actually see things move in a very powerful direction in our own lives in terms of our own expansion of our soul and faith that our confidence would not rest in the things that can be taken from us but in the God who loves us and whose presence in our life can never be taken from us. We make that journey together. Here's something to be considerate of though, and that is this, that uh, one of the things I wanna ask us to consider being, and we'll put these notes up and there's a way to access them. I know they're gonna go up on the Instagram as well. But as they come up on the live stream, feel free to take a shot of them. Again, these are things to work with. We need to resist being overwhelmed in fear, though. And, uh, and rather, instead, to practice trust. And you'll notice that I put the word practice trust. Because trust is something that we need to work at establishing. It's not something that just always comes naturally. I didn't say, don't fear. I could have, we could have said, don't fear and trust. And that would have been okay to say it. But I wanted to say, let's not be overwhelmed by fear because I think some fear is going to be natural. But at the same time, let's cultivate a kind of trust in God that allows us to have a settledness of our soul. And when I say practice, I mean that when you start to feel it, and I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about because I felt it myself. When you start to, and it could be triggered by a variety of different things, you're just thinking about something, someone says something, we read a story, it's impossible right now not to be affected by, I mean, there is no way. We, we, we're everywhere we go, we're being told about this, about that. Everything has to do with social distancing and what's going on in the world. And it's just, it's all, it can be overwhelming in that place. Again, we can get overwhelmed and then you start to feel that thing sitting on you. And so to practice trust is essentially to me is just saying, Lord, I'm reminding myself of where my foundation is, where my confidence is, what I truly believe, what you taught me. I am breathing out, breathing in your grace, and I'm breathing it out. Lord, I'm trusting you right now. I'm not going to let this thing just run rampant in my heart and my mind. I'm going to bring myself to a place of stability in you. Think about sitting in a chair. You trust that chair's capacity to hold our weight. That's kind of what faith and trust is like. We're trusting God to hold us in this moment. So practicing trust, not being overwhelmed by fear. Another thing I thought of is, and this is going to sound like, oh, so obvious, but stay patient. Stay patient with the process. A lot of times I'll tell people or share with the, the, the with all of us and at different times, and even when I'm trying to help someone through a trial, that something I've learned about the idea of being patient with the process. There are certain things we can't rush them through. Like it's not gonna happen that way. It's not gonna be a matter of making myself just the harder I go at this, the quicker it'll go away. That, that's not always gonna happen. There's a time, there are times when we have to be patient with the process and let it, let it it work itself out. And that is not always easy to do because a lot of times we think like, if I could just try harder, it'll solve it. But there are some things we can't solve. What part of what's gonna happen here, there's gonna be some ups and there's gonna be some downs. We're gonna have some times where we're feeling more optimistic and times where it's like, we're going, wow, that's bad. This is not good. 
And we're going to feel that thing sort of trying to come over us. And I'm going to suggest there's going to be ebbs and flow to this in the weeks ahead. It's okay. It's okay. It's a patient. Uh, when things start to creep up, by the way, this is a principle just for everyday life and for problems that come into our life. A lot of times we want to get better real fast. It doesn't work that way. Patient with the process. Let, let, let the Lord teach us. Let's be patient with this. We're not going to make it happen any faster by trying harder. Let it be. Remember what I have said, and I know this, this is just a phrase, but what we won't let be won't let us be. Don't grab so hard. Don't grab. It's another thing to be aware of here is that we need to stay positive and encouraging, prayerful and optimistic. I really believe this is an important. Now, we're not going to be like that all the time, but we really want to make an effort and put an emphasis on choosing to be an encourager at this time. Stay, stay as much as you can prayerful and optimistic. And, and, you know, again, I just feel like we're going to get, we get we, look, we're going to have a lot of things that we can be negative about. And that's a choice we can make. Or we can choose to be grateful for a lot of things, too. And that's very important, right? We can really choose. And in fact, that's the next thing I want to put up there. Is this whole idea, and we'll go ahead, if you guys can stick that up there, is stay grateful and unoffended <laughs> right now. Reduce, ah, be, find things to be thankful for, and don't let negativity start to just settle into that. Don't, be, don't get offended at stuff. Don't be looking at what's wrong here, or why didn't they do that, or you know, you know why did they cut in line here? Forget it, forget it, stop, calm, no need. Why didn't they say it this way? Or why? No, don't do that. Calm, calm in our heart. Grateful, thankful. Again, I, I've talked about how already I've come to a conclusion that there are some things that I've taken for granted that now, just because of the unusual circumstance that none of us could have envisioned, are now things I miss. I really do. And, you know, for how, I mean, this, the, the freedom to interact. To, I don't know, it's just it's certain things. You know, but so I'm, here's what I want to be grateful when they return. And I'm going to grateful, be grateful for what we have now. And that's an, a position we want to take. But I think maybe the most important thing, and I'll just leave, it, leave this piece with, with this, is you guys, let's determine to stay close to Jesus. I mean, we get to choose how we're going to engage this time. And I actually think it's a time for us to deepen our roots I think it's a time to grow. I think it's a time to wrestle with questions and our faith and where our trust is, where our confidence is, how much we actually do believe what Jesus taught us. I think it's really important for us to think about the meaning of life and our priorities and the things that we're building and what actually in the end will really last and how fragile things are and how sometimes things that we think are so dependable actually in the end, just as Jesus taught us, they're not necessarily as, as firm as they, as they seem. But Jesus reminded us to make sure that you give attention to the one thing that cannot be taken from, with, from you, right? These are important things for us. Stay close to the Lord. Keep your, let's keep our heart tender with God. Let's use this time to soften. We bring our fears before him. We're open to his love. I like to think sometimes of just like opening my hands to the Lord. And I just say, Lord, I'm open to you right now. I'm letting go. I'm not clutching. I'm not going to clutch. I'm not going to clutch. Well, let me open to you. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You walk with me. And I know what you told me. You said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
though I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. The end of the age. The verse we looked at last week, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Some of us just need to ponder it, keep it on our mind, keep it close. Why? What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you, all of you who are labor and are heavy laden. Uh, you know what I think about when you hear a phrase like heavy laden, he was saying all of you who toil and have, feel like you're carrying a burden, like a weight. Think about it. That's what he meant. Like you imagine someone carrying this, this big pack, this load, and I'm carrying it. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who labor and are heavy laden, right? Just, just go. if you're feeling that pressure, and, when you're, and we're going to feel it, we're going to feel it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. I want, I want you to have my peace. My peace, listen, come on now. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give this peace to you. It's a gift. Ask the Lord for his peace. Come to me, all you who labor. Again, there we see it. And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. Think about that. My yoke upon. That is, a yoke was what two oxen were put together in a field. And they had a yoke that put them together. And usually one of them was a little stronger than the other. And what Jesus is using was was an image of something that they would have all been aware of. And what he was saying is, put yourself in the yoke with me. Lean into me. Work with me. We'll do this together. We'll do this together. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm gentle, I'm lowly of spirit. Work with me now. We'll get through this together. I'll give you rest. It's a beautiful promise. And my burden is light. You know, and again, I was thinking about this passage and I, you know, I must tell you, yesterday, because, you know, you're still, we're we're being bombarded with different things that we're being told to do. You know, a lot of different things are going on and and yet a lot of shops are still open, the restaurants. uh, How many of you had a chance to go to a shopping? I mean, it's pretty... Okay, I went to Whole Foods. I went early in the morning, like it barely opened up. I had to pick something up and I was stunned. I mean, 15 minutes into it, there were people with giant car- carts filled and it was all kinds of activity. And I was going, wow, this is, there was a lot of people too. And I'm walking around there and, and, and then I was just going through, through the aisle and I looked and I looked at the, the toilet paper, paper towel aisle. <laughs> And it was, it was empty, but on the very, very top, there was a little orphan pack <laughs> way, way in the back. I noticed, I go, wow, no one saw that one. It's way in the back there. And I thought, well, <laughs> it, was, it was just like a little four pack, you know? I looked at it, I go, man, you know, like, I think I'm going to get it, right? And so I, 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 I climbed up there and got the orphan toilet paper pack. It was my wife's fault. It's my wife's fault. She, I blame it on her. I blame it. She, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It wasn't, wasn't serious. Indeed, uh, I succumbed. I know I succumbed to the toilet paper fervor, and I got it. I got it. Um, it's okay. We're going to do stuff sometimes that are a little bit out of character for us. Um, it's normal. This is an unusual time, and we're all trying to do our best. And by the way, I do think it's good to laugh and love. I do. I do. Well, I, if we can't do that in life, I mean, it, part, of, 
part of why we live is, is gone. You know, smile more, love more, be kind more, be a blesser more. Okay, I want us to shift, though. And now I did have a passage that I wanted to look at. And this is kind of what I would hope we will still be doing. It can't all only be about how to respond to the virus. It also has to be about how to live our life and how to, how to, how to think about other things. And I think it's periodically important for us to do that. I do. I do think it's periodically important for us to break off into a direction that really we're sort of looking at some different things. It's OK. It's OK. Here in your passage there, the handout is from Mark 5. I want to pick back up actually with the teaching from last week. And then I would love, if we can, and all of you are online right now, uh, you know what, Mark 5. And some of these, you're going to have a note section up there too that you can engage with. But I want to talk about Mark 5 and the, and the healing of the man that we call the, the demoniac in the scripture. He's the man who had been demon-possessed or oppressed. And uh, we're going to talk about how Jesus healed him. And I'd like to pick back up on it. And then I'd like to weave back around to just this larger discussion and bring it all together. But let's just look at here. It says, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. That's that opening verse, Mark 5. And, uh, you know, I want to put the map up there. I, I just think it's important for us to get, in, get a context for what we're talking about. And I actually think it's good because so much when we read the Gospels, a lot of times we'll read about places or where is this in relation to that? It's really good for us to just, again, remind ourselves on a regular basis of what we're talking about. Real places, real places that you can actually see today. Notice, again, where Jerusalem is, right? You see where the Mediterranean Sea is. You see Jerusalem. That's where Israel is today. You go a little bit east. What do you run into? The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is called that. It's high salt content. I mean, super high. You float in it. It's, it has no outlet. The water is deposited in there, and it's the lowest place on Earth. You go up. Jordan River leads you to where? The Sea of Galilee. I always, the Galilee, many people talk about how it's shaped like a harp. The Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias, sometimes called the Lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret. This is, these are different names, but basically this is where so much of the Gospels take place. The disciples were fishermen. They fished the Sea of Galilee. You go there today, you can still see it. It's beautiful, pastels, calm water. It's really a lake, but it's big. It's big enough to sail across. We know that Jesus was on the northwest side. He and his disciples crossed over, you can see it, towards the south and the, the basically maybe east as well. So they cut across. And as they get to the land, we're told, we're told what happens. We're told that Jesus and his disciples, as they're getting close, they, get, they start to pull the boat in, and Jesus steps out of the boat onto the shore. That's the picture we're given here and the description we're given. It says that when Jesus stepped, look at this verse too, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately, immediately, so as soon as he's stepping out, we're told there, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And he had lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Uh, he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he had wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And we're told other things about him, that night and day, he was such a tormented person, that night and day among the tombs on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting. He cut him. He was a cutter. He cut himself with stones. He was in so much pain and anguish, crying out. That's the picture we're given of this man. And, he, and it must have been that there was, from, in, in, sometimes on the mountainsides, imagine in your mind's eye, 
you could see the side of a mountain or side of a hill, really. And out of it, it would be, and actually it's not too far away. If you go down to the Ocean Beach, Great Highway, you can kind of get an idea a little bit of what that might look like. How those crevices sometimes are built sort of into the sand, the hardened sand, and the colors that would be very similar. And, and sometimes people would actually use some of those, those places as tombs on the top and into the very mountain itself, the little hillside itself, with this kind of brown, you know, think about it in your mind, that tan, dark tan, brown, craggy places where people would have tombs. He's, he's around there. That's his home. That's where he roams. He screams, we're told, all night long. Another gospel tells us, one of the accounts tells us that, and he was naked, like he had no clothing. And he would, this, was, this was his life. He was crying out night and day, it says. And he was, people were afraid of him. And he couldn't be bound. Like he was like someone on drugs that could burst out these kind of rudimentary ways of holding people because their chains weren't anything like ours today. He couldn't be bound. He couldn't be held. And people were afraid of him. They used to know him. But who he was now was so, his hair wild, his body. Think about what we're told. He, he would cut himself. He had scars and scabs and blood dried up on him. He was a picture. He was na- He was running around. And all of a sudden, now Jesus, is, we're told, is getting out of the boat with his disciples. And from a distance, there is this man. And he's not just, he is like this thing. Whatever. Someone is running at them at full speed. And I imagine running, ah, running. Who knows what else is going on? And as he gets closer, they recognize the fact, this, this is, this, what is this? Right? And the disciples, I imagine in that moment, their adrenaline levels going up. They step a little forward. No one's going to, Jesus, what is this? He's running full speed down the mountainside. Through it. And then right before he gets there, he throws himself. What's what we're told here? He throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Throws himself there. And it says that when he saw Jesus, he ran and he fell down before him. So he's running. And as he gets closer, he falls down before him. And he cries out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, I adjure you, do not torment me. For, he, for Jesus had said, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. So what had happened was, that I would imagine as Jesus is, as this, Jesus is watching this man come, that he's running at him, and Jesus says to him, "Come!" I, did he yell it? Did he say, come out of this man, you unclean spirit? Or did he say, with the steadiness of his voice, you come out of this man, you unclean spirit? I do not know. What we do know is this man who was so, his identity so intertwined with the spirit, the spirit had called itself a name, Legion, for we are many. And that personality, so remember last week we talked about the things that people do when we're in pain, talked about, in his case, he was, he was completely lost. His identity, he had no identity cohesion. He was completely lost. He had no idea. Who was he? No one knew. Was the spirit was so intertwined with his identity and his personality? Who was speaking? That's why even in the wording, it'll say he's speaking, and then the next thing you know, the spirit's speaking, because the two had become, in some way, legion. And when Jesus says, come out of this man, come out of this man, you unclean spirit, it t- he talks. And he says, what have you to do with me? Look at it, look at it, look at it. It, it says, he was saying, verse 8, come out of this man, you unclean spirit, Jesus so what is your name? Is it my name? My name is Legion. We are many. 
And then he begged him earnestly, do not send us out of this country. People have marveled at this passage, by the way, because it gives us some insight into this world that we so rarely see. And it says that now there was a great herd of pigs that was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And then he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, and they entered into the pigs, and the herd, which was numbering about 2,000. Now, 2,000 pigs in that day was a significant herd and would have been of great value. Somebody lost a lot of money that day. That's a fact. And they it rushed down the steep bank, and then through the, the frenzied rush, mad rush of what the, the spirits did to the herd of pigs, they threw themselves into the water, and they drowned. And this is what we were told. And the herdsmen fled. They, were ter- they couldn't believe what had happened. And they told it to the city and the, in the country. And then we're told in verse 14, the people came to see what it was that had happened. And then, and then on top of that, they came to Jesus. Look at verse 15. They came to Jesus and saw the, because imagine, people are saying, you're not going to believe what has happened. I mean, the, 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 this, this man, that, that, that guy that used to roam me, he's, he's, Jesus, Jesus did something to him. And the next thing we know, the, all the, the herd went wild. They went berserk. They, they ran. They drowned. They're all gone. Right? And everybody rushes to see what is going on. When they get to Jesus, they find Jesus there. And, I am at, and the man is there too. This is the, but he's now clothed. Talking. I mean, a complete deliverance. The scripture says clothed. and in, Look at this. And in his right mind. And when they look at this, they, they're afraid. They're afraid. What is going on? And notice it says, and those who had seen it described it to them, this is what happened. He did this. And then, the, and then it, whatever it was in him went into them. And that's what happened. Look, it says, described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And then as they process it, they begin, look at the verse, don't miss it, son. They began to beg Jesus to leave, to depart from the region. And remember this, Jesus will never stay where he's not welcomed. Could you leave us, please? We beg you, don't stay here anymore at all, please. Leave us. Right? Look, notice that. And, 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 and verse 18, see the contrast here. Do you see it? Watch the nuance. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons, he also begged. But they were begging him, please go. He begs, can I go with you? He begged, look at that, that he might be with them. And I was struck. I mean, you, you can't miss it here. I was struck by the two competing attitudes in this moment, right? Look at it towards Jesus. You see it? One group, one group, so, so uncomfortable that they asked him to leave and they begged him literally, right? They begged Jesus to leave. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. So uncomfortable with Jesus, they begged him to leave. And, and some of us remember that, just like C.S. Lewis said, uh, essentially of the next life, and I think it was in, the, in his book, The Great Divorce, that he said, if we don't want him here, then we won't want him there. If we don't want him here, then we won't want him there. He was talking about the afterlife. Please leave us, they said. But the man 
who used to call himself Legion, whose name we do not know, he begged him that he, he might go with him. I imagine that moment as well. Could I, could I go with you? Could I come with you? I want to I I go with you. Now, maybe part of the reason he said that is that he was, I think a part of him was afraid, afraid of, of what, maybe part of him was afraid of what might happen to him if Jesus left. Worried that the deliverance might not stick. That Legion would return. I, 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 I would want to go with you. Would you, would you please uh, let me go with you? I, and, and, and you can see in that moment, he's begging. He's, I beg you, I beg you, let me go with you. I, I want to go with you. Please take me. Please take me. Think about it. Think about the contrast. One begs him, go from us. The other one's begging, can I go with you? Jesus turns to him, and the response has always caught my attention. And in fact, this time when I saw it, it caught me in a way that I hadn't actually thought about it before. Look what Jesus says incredibly in verse 19. He says, he did not permit him. No, you are not coming. I, no, I don't want you to come. Please, no. But he said to him, this is what I want you to do. Listen to me. You go home. Look at this phrase. No, no, no. You go home to your friends. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Can I come? Please let me come. No. You go home. You go home to your friends and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he's given you. How beautiful. And look at verse 20. Last word. And he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that is the region of the Ten Towns, how much Jesus had done for him. And every one marveled. He wanted to go with Jesus and join the band. And Jesus told him to go home and be a band. And the song that I want you to sing is the song of freedom and you sing it to your friends. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? And that has actually quite a lot of relevance for what we're all walking through right now. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what I mean. And I'll just put this up there as well. The best place for, and this is what I call the where, the best place for evangelism to start is usually with our own home and with our friends and our coworkers. That's the best place. I mean, if you think about it, think about what Jesus actually said. Go back. I mean, I, I, I said, it stuck out. It really stood out. No, you go back to your friends. And you don't see that that often. Go back to your friends. Tell them what the Lord has done. That's, that's so beautiful. I love that. It really stands out, doesn't it? I mean, tell it to your friends. And then the why, because here's the thing, one of the best ways to honor him and to return our love and to express our devotion to Jesus is to be open to telling our story, right? To tell, basically, no, to tell his story. The best, one of the best ways that I can, I can do, express my love for the Lord, any of us can, is to tell others about the story of what he has done and is doing. It's designed, think about what he says. You go tell people, say, well, what friends? Oh, those are the friends he had before he had gotten to where he was. 
You go back, they'll know. They'll know. They'll see the change. And you let them know what I've done. And, and, and in a way, he was saying, and if you, you want to give, give me your love, you want to say thank you, say thank you by sharing the news of what I've done in your life. And then, think about it, and I call this one the how, because the best way to share his story is to, is to share our story of what Jesus has done for us. The best way to share his story is to share our story of what Jesus has done for us. Again, I love that. The best way to share a story is to share our story of what he has done for us. In other words, personalize it, share with others who your friends what he is doing in our lives. Here's the thing. Is there ever a time such as this that can compare in, in, in some ways? It, no. To the need for us to talk about Jesus and to be able to share our story. I think we are being invited to be life proclaimers and peace bringers and healers and wounded healers and stabilizers and intercessors in this time. I think we need to view this unique Easter season. And yes, I will say it, this time of incredible trauma and fear and panic and legitimate concern about what is not yet known and quantifiable to be able to say into this place, I bring to you the life of Christ. I bring to you the peace of Christ. I bring to you the message of Jesus and what he's doing in me right now, how I'm walking through this. This is an incredible opportunity for us. And I also think it's very important that we see it as also a time for prayer, but being open to praying for people in ways that we would not have been open before. I'm talking about humble, bold prayers. And you say, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm saying, actually, don't be, this is something I've really been trying to do a lot these last couple of years is I just don't say, I, 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 I don't say I'm going to pray for you. I, I, that's a good thing to say. But even in a small way, don't be afraid to text somebody a prayer. Don't be afraid to text somebody a blessing. Like, just send it to them. You care for them. They're your friend. Pray the blessing of the Lord. So, sometimes that simple gesture of being willing to get out, posted if you're even more bold, and let it be known that there's something to be trust, trusting the Lord in. Share. But, I, but really, I am talking about responding in these unique moments when they come, and they will come conversationally or online. Responding in a way that is a little bit more bold than normal for us. And to say, in a sense, in the name of Jesus, I give you what I have. And I give this to you in this way. It's an authentic blessing I send your way an authentic prayer over, over that fear, an authentic prayer for your well-being or the well-being of the person that you care deeply about who I know is not well or is very much afraid, I pray that blessing over you in the name of Jesus. Do you see what I'm talking about? Life healers. Well, I don't have everything to give myself. No, no, no. Wounded healers in his name. We tell the story of what he has done and we share it and we give it away. What do you want me to do? You go tell your friends the amazing things that the Lord has done and the mercy he has given you. You see that? How beautiful that is. Now, I look at that and I go, so as a church, here's the thing. Remember I mentioned we're going to make this journey together? Now, I don't know what's going to happen from week to week. We might have to change things up. Who knows? Cannot say. But what I do know is that we are committed to something. We are very much committed to the well-being and strengthening of all of our community and anybody who's connected to this community of faith in Christ. And one of the th things that stuck out to me is that since you cannot come to us, 
we will come to you. We will do our best. Since you cannot come to us, we will come to you, and we will do our best to do it. One of the ways, and I just want to do a quick little reminder of the different ways that we want to come together in this time and make our way through this time. And one of the ways, I know a lot of you are aware of it, but I still want to emphasize it. You know, the daily rise and shine, six days a week, it's that little vlog, that little devotional, that video devotional. If you have the, the notification, they send it to you at 6 a.m. It's a minute and a half. It's, it's just an encouragement. Now, here's what, here's, let me tell you the philosophy behind this right now. For about five of those days, I'm, I'm going to just try mainly to work off of the, the message. And maybe on the Saturday, I'll speak directly towards the fear that's kind of confronting the culture. But for the most part, it's designed to just be inspirational and encouraging. It's not designed to get into the details of how to respond to the angst of what's happening, but rather to create a lightness of life in Christ that is bonding us together. So the idea of rising and shining is intentionally going to not be like just focused on this specific issue. We will obviously on the next thing, which is our live stream, which is again where the vast majority of our church right now is watching and, can, and is sort of connecting. We're going to do that on the seven. So the rise and shine six. Live stream seven, that's church, that's just the way we do it. But here's the thing, we're gonna to try to do that as well as we possibly can for the blessing of all of you. Your spiritual well-being, staying connected is important. And if things shift on us, we'll keep doing it to the best of our abilities. Our job, our commitment, our, our desire, my desire is to help this church not only negotiate this period of time, but actually to grow through it. Like to grow, I mean to have a deeper faith, a deeper love for God, a deeper ability to confront the fears that would overcome us, a better way of thinking, a, a, a larger capacity to negotiate complexity and nuance and things that would make us afraid in Christ to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. So we're thinking about things, like the live stream is just our way of being able to connect like we're doing right now. And then during the week, we're gonna still make it a point to stay in communication. And again, get the app. I know I say it, but let's stay together. Uh, the website, the app, any way you want it. But we're going to try to keep some good communication flow going. All that communication in the midweek is going to be around is updates around this and how to think about it, how to pray, how to not be afraid of stuff. We, got, we have things planned for the kids, especially for the, some of the families out there that you want some support spiritually. We're going to try to be rolling out some things as well for the children of the families in our church, and that can be shared with anybody as well. We're really committed to everybody's well-being. And the last thing I will say is, is this, the, the small groups, shape groups. If you are not part of one, and you feel like you want to be in a small, with a small, it's just small, but you want to be in a place where you actually can have human contact and exchange in safe and appropriate ways that are in harmony with the desire of those who are, in a way, asking us to help create a light footprint then that's another option. It's one option, more option. You can just go on our, our groups online. You just let them know. You may even decide, you know, during this time, I'd like to be a host of a few people. Or during this time, I'd like to, like to assist. Or during this time, I'd like to actually be open to leading. I haven't done that in a while. But I want to be a peace bringer, a life giver. And I want to be open. If I have more time than I normally have, I want to invest that in ways that are beautiful and life-giving. So again, be aware of all these things. We're going to make this journey together. Now, as we shift out, the final song that we have, because we'll have a, we're going we're gonna to have a, the close of the service. I need, I want you, you look, we chose to be here. We have, we have a closing song that I think is so beautifully intertwined. We're calling it the cure for pain. And the cure for, for pain in, in Dallas and in, in Fern are just going to, he's going to play, she's going to sing and, and bless us. And we're just going to sit with this. 
in our closing minutes and just receive the life in it. It's meant, it points us to Jesus, the healer. But, um, and that, but before we even do that, we're going to have our time of giving. Now, stay with me. We're not going to do our normal time. We're not even going to pass a plate. For those of you, most of us are giving, a lot of us are giving online or through the app. That's what I did on Friday. I've been doing that now for a while. But I do need to say this. To those of you who are the committed parts of our church, who you know who you are and have faithfully carried a weight, do not be afraid. Continue to hold strong. Walk in faith, not in fear. Uh, we need you more than ever to be strong in the areas of honoring the Lord in your tithes and offerings in your giving. Be faithful unto God. We're doing this together. As we pause to take that time of giving, just be aware of that, and then we close with the final psalm. But I want to pray. I want to pray, okay, over our time. And Lord Jesus, again, thinking about those among us in this moment, but the vast majority of us who are far away and yet connected right now, I pray for your life and your goodness and most of all, and the healing touch. And I, you know, I just feel led to also pray for healing and life. And again, what I think about is that there were a lot of us who were already carrying stuff. It's, I know because of the enormity of what's happening, it, it seems to diminish other things that might be going on in our life. And in, in a lot of ways, after this has passed, those things will still be there. And so I want to pray for grace and healing and life flow in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you, Lord, to heal comprehensively at all levels. And even now, Lord, if there's a need that we have, because it could be in our mind or it could be literally in our body, we pray for the flow of life in the name of Jesus. We also pray against anything that would inhibit our ability to think straight and creatively and to be able to be at peace. God, we come against the anxiety. We come against the stress points. We come against the collective fear and we ask in faith and in humility that you would give us the grace we need and also help us to be there for one another, right? Again, to communicate life and love. The Bible, you remind us in your word, Lord, that those who are strong are to bear the infirmity of the weak. We're all going to need someone else to be strong for us every now and then. The beauty of community. Lord, I just pray for that. Let there be a, a tremendous aroma of grace and life that would flow not only in our church, but also outside of these walls, into the very places, into our friendships, with our coworkers, in every way, let the light of Jesus come. Because we truly believe that you are the cure for the pain, and you're the life giver, and you're so good, and you love us so much. So Lord, as we take this time to close well, let our hearts be soft before you, and not be in a hurry. Maybe right now, one of the things that we weren't anticipating is that we actually might have a little more space, a little more space, to be open to your promptings. And what we ask is on the basis of your promise that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to your purpose, that you would bring good even from this bad, that your goodness would prevail in ways both seen and unseen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.